Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome uh, to episode 69 of uh, the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we have on world number 40, uh, Lucas Serm, uh, or Serm, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, on the podcast today. And he's currently playing right now in the French Nationals. I think uh, uh, as I speak, uh, they're into the semifinal stage where he'll be playing uh, Benjamin Aubert in the uh, in the semis there. So, uh, yeah, the French, several national uh, events going on uh, simultaneously right now, uh, as we uh, who follow squash know. But uh, Lucas came on, and really great to chat with him. Uh, we've been uh, trying to do it for a little while now, and uh, finally got it done. A uh, really good guy, uh, very uh, well-spoken, and uh, his... Uh, written English is uh, very good. Uh, we exchanged several uh, emails, and I was impressed by uh, how well uh, and how how well he expresses his thoughts in writing, and um, does very well in spoken English as well. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to this one uh, for a while, and we finally got it done. Uh, we talked uh, a bit about uh, his husband-wife uh, relationship with uh, PSA women's uh, uh, tour player Anna Serm, who uh, has just come off to two wins in a row on home soil in the Czech Republic, and uh, she's uh, apparently going to be uh, taking on the on the tour more in a more of a full-time way uh, going forward, so that should be exciting for them. And uh, he was there in, uh, in the Czech Republic for the, the last uh, couple of weeks or so supporting uh, her, and uh, we talk a bit about that and the dynamic between them. Uh, also, uh, his career up until now, he's had some uh, some really good wins and some uh, sort of uh, average uh, performances, uh, which have kept him sort of at that 30 to 40 uh, number uh, over the last few years. But uh, you can just see uh, sort of developing into something uh, bigger and better, hopefully. Uh, he's got the world championships coming up in Chicago. And uh, we talk a bit about that. Also, his uh, four years at uh, Bristol University, which were, for him, the best years of his life. He'll explain that. And working uh, closely with uh, Hadrian Steff and the Elite Squash team. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode 69 of the In Squash podcast with the Lucas Serm. All right. All right. Well, welcome to episode uh, 69 of uh, the In Squash podcast. And I'm really, really happy to have on. Uh, one of the PSA's top young talents. Uh, he's currently number 40 in the world, but uh, had been uh, up as high as number 32 in 2018. He won his maiden uh, PSA title in 2010, uh, and he's won several uh, since then. Uh, Lucas Serum is uh, my guest. Welcome uh, to the podcast, Lucas. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, uh, I, uh, it's Valentine's Day. Uh, do you, you guys celebrate that, don't you, in, in France? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty big here, obviously. <laughs> <We're men. laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, uh, did you celebrate uh, with your with your wife today, or? Oh, we're probably going to celebrate a bit more uh, this evening. This evening a nice yeah. dinner. Yeah, yeah. See, it's evening here, so I, I just uh, I, I just managed to uh, to take care of that myself. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I got I think I got the thumbs up. So. Uh, yeah. I brought uh, a nice bottle of uh, sparkling uh, rose wine, um, Chinese food, which was kind of unusual for for Valentine's Day, and a a nice, uh, uh, obviously, a bouquet of uh, red roses for my wife and a a lovely uh, teddy bear for for my daughter. So 
good for you now. <laughs> There's some tips for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Lucas, you're recently back from uh, from Prague, I, I believe, where I think your wife, uh, Anna, uh, just uh, emerged victorious, uh, having won two in a row in, in uh in the Czech Republic. So uh, I think you were there in her corner for at least one of those. Uh, so what was it like being there uh, for her and to see her win uh, not only one, but two tournaments uh, over there with you in her corner? It was great. Obviously it was really stressing. Um, I'm really nervous when I, when I watch her play. Uh, I'm not usually nervous in, in any, any time really uh, in my life. Uh, and, <laughs> I, like and not squash really. Like when I play, I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty much relaxed. But uh, watching her is yeah, it's dreadful for me really. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's really hard for me to actually focus on what's happening on court. And uh, I just want her to do so well and just you know just just be just be happy with what she's uh, she's producing on court. Uh, it's not even about the result, but no, the the fact that she won obviously it made me really happy. I'm just happy that she. She's working hard and and it's paying off. So it was great. Yeah, that's awesome. And and having won two uh, two events in a row on her home soil, uh, uh, that must have uh, made her feel uh, feel great. Uh, what was it like? What what is uh, for for those uh, listeners who might not know much about the squash in the Czech Republic? Uh, what's it like there? What's the atmosphere like during those events? Yeah. Well. Well. Uh, Squash used to be a bit bigger in the Czech Republic, um, maybe 20 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's not. Normally- have a, a, I mean, back when I was, I'm a Jonathan Power uh, fan. So I think back just after his prime, there was a guy, Jan Kokel. Was he from uh, Czech Republic? Jan is, is basically a squash legend over there. He's yeah. uh, he's been. He's won maybe I don't know uh, 15 national titles in a row. He's uh, and he's been the highest ranked uh, Czech player in the world. So um, he's he's pretty much a role model over there. Um, but now there's a, there's a good new generation coming up, young players who are going to be uh, we're going to be able to count on really um, for the future. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, it's building up slowly uh, again, really, because it's it's been going through a phase where it, it wasn't it wasn't so big anymore in Czech Republic, um, and they didn't have that many players, that many people actually playing the sport. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's going back slowly. I, I, I would say it's in a good dynamic right now, actually. That's great. Yes. Um, now, as regards uh, Anna, uh, tell tell us a bit about her game and. Uh, what her strengths are and, and uh, 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 what what you see in terms of her future. Or what does she see, basically, in terms of uh, her future going forward in the sport? Yeah, well, it's, 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 it, she has an interesting profile, really. She's never she's never played uh, squash full time, really. She's always had something on the side. Um, okay. With studies and all this, so it's actually the first year that she's playing. Uh, squash full time, and she's uh, uh, competing uh, 100% on the PSA tour. So, uh, so it's really interesting for her because she's she's training even even more than before, um, like more than she ever has actually. Actually, so um, she 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 wants to test herself, challenge herself, see how far she can go. Can she can she beat some top 50, top 30 players? Can she 
do it on a consistent basis. So it's um, that's why she's trying to see. It's a good challenge for her. She's giving herself like this first year to see uh, what she can achieve, really. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, I guess the plan is maybe to go outside uh, of uh, the Czech Republic, maybe and, and travel a bit with you and see uh, see the, where uh, where that takes her, right? Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. So she had never really played outside of Europe until uh, until the second part of 2018. And uh, she she went to Canada for a few tournaments there. So she that was a good opportunity to actually play against players that she had never seen before. Um, and uh, yeah, next week she's gonna fly to Chicago with with me and my sister for for the World Open because she's been uh, awarded uh, an invitee uh, spot in the draw. So uh, oh, great. Oh. okay, yeah. make so it a family good. affair then. Exactly, it's going to be the three of us there, and uh, we're going to be able to uh, support each other. It's going to it's going to be great. Yeah, so it's the first time that she goes uh, uh, to Chicago as well, um, where they usually uh, hold the, the the Windy City Open. So she's going to be able to see uh, these crazy places uh, where they usually have the the glass court. So it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice for her to finally be there and not just watch on Squash TV. <laughs> so uh, yeah, watch that really. Absolutely, and uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I've never been to uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, I've, obviously, I've I've been all over Canada. I know how how cold it can get. Uh, they've been getting record-breaking uh, low, uh, uh, severe winter temperatures in Chicago. Are you guys bracing yourself for for the for that? We, we were we were getting really scared at first, and uh, <laughs> we pretty scary images on TV and that. But we we've. It was it was a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it seems to have gotten warmer since then. So uh, we, we, it's all right. We're not that worried anymore. We see that the temperature pretty much back to normal. So, uh, so we're still going to bring some yeah, warm stuff, but it should be fine, uh, hopefully. Yeah, I, I still remember uh, my family and I. We traveled to uh, to Paris a few years ago. For we spent uh, the Christmas holidays there, and uh, of course, as uh, you know, as tourists, we we uh, wanted to get to the top of the uh, the Eiffel Tower, and uh, that was the coldest uh, three-hour lineup I've ever been in. It was so. I mean, it wasn't as cold, I think, as it would be, say, in Canada. But it was very. It was freezing. That's the thing. Yeah, you don't. You just wouldn't expect it. You would expect it to be so much warmer than Canada. So then you're actually not prepared for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, now, Lucas, you just brought up the the World uh, Championship, so I might as well uh, bring it up now. You're playing uh, your first round match against Kareem El Hamami, uh, so that that's a, an Egyptian, obviously, a guy that you've probably played before. So, how do you feel uh, heading into uh, heading into that match? And uh, basically, have you uh, played him before, and how have the the results been? Yes, yeah, um, yeah, I've played I've played Kareem for sure before the. Um, but I can remember only one time, really. It was El Guna last year, first round of qualification. and uh, That was a, that was a good event for you. <laughs> that was a great Yeah, yeah I had beaten Karim 3-1 then in my first match. Um, so th- that was good. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't easy. Uh, I was really happy to, to, to get out that one 3-1. That was, that was a pretty good match. Uh, but I think that's... I would say that's the only time we've played each other, really. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been with him outside of... of uh, PSA event I and mean, we've trained together and all that but oh, official yeah. that would be the only one really so yeah that, that would be the last time I've actually been on court with him that was last year 
Okay. And then uh, after that, you have the winner of uh, potentially the winner of Dimitri and uh, Dimitri Steinman, uh, Swiss, I guess he's the Swiss number two, and Sarov uh, Gosel. Uh, so it looks like a, a decent draw for you if you can, you can uh, you know, get some good squash. Yeah. It's a good, a good opportunity to, to, to size, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm always trying to just take it match after match, not to, to, uh, really uh project myself too far <laughs> yeah yeah so, absolutely yeah point by point happen but yeah it's but it is it is it is uh is pretty good draw com- compared to some others that, that's for sure it is uh it is a good opportunity for me yeah so yeah obviously i'm gonna try uh to to seize it yeah that's for sure now uh i mean there's so many uh as you know so many uh, amazing Egyptian players uh, on the tour these days. Uh, if uh, just from memory, what does Kareem bring bring to the table? Is it the usual uh, uh, flavor or uh, from Egypt, or is it uh, something that maybe uh, yeah. a bit different? Yeah. Usual flavors, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can see uh, the, the the shot maker side uh, of, of him is uh, like the, yeah, that's the obviously. Uh, what every Egyptian has really, um, and he has it as well. But um, he's also a very resilient uh, player. I find he's uh, he's capable of of winning matches, being two love down pretty badly, and, uh, and table around. He's he's pretty good at this, and uh, I, I would say that's that's his main strength more than the shot he's capable of playing. Actually, okay. So you've got to bear that in mind and just uh, st- stick to it, regardless of. Uh... The score in Definitely. the match. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, just so before we move on, I just want to get back to uh, you and your wife. There are several um, PSA PSA married couples, as it turns out. I, I keep discovering more as uh, as I go deeper into these podcasts. But uh, obviously, there there's the the prolific one, uh, Ali and Noor, uh, Raneem and Tarek, uh, and then it turns out uh, Ali, Alan uh, Klein and Olivia. And yourself yeah. and uh, and uh, Anna, so uh, uh, sort of we we get to see the dynamic uh, between uh, Ali and Nora, obviously through through the squash TV, uh, how closely they work together. Uh, is it, what what's the dynamic like between yourself and um, uh, uh, your wife? Uh, I, I I remember uh, I, I had. Um, I think it was Alan and Olivia, and uh, I guess it's, it's slightly different between those two as compared to Ali and Nor. They they kind of, you know, they, they they tread a little bit more carefully when they're talking to yeah. each other. <laughs> no, I'm um, I'm really no. I, th- I think I think we're closer to Ali and Nor in the system. I would say. Like, I, I mean, we're really sharing everything, uh, squash wise, and that's for sure. We uh, we train a lot together. Um, we, we we know everything about each other's um, squash endeavor really so it's um yeah i think we're working hand in hand really to to uh, to achieve our goals together I, w- I would say that yeah we uh, we really try to talk with each other about everything squash related uh and uh yes as long as yeah one can bring or feel like he can bring something to to the other um in his career or in his training or whatever i, th- I think we're going to yeah we we're trying to do that yeah, push each other as much as possible. That's great. So, pretty well, straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, it bodes well. Then uh, you guys will be uh, there for each other in in Chicago. 
uh, to yeah. keep each other warm in the cold weather and uh, keep keep each other firing on, on the court. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, um, I wanted to ask you, I want to talk a little bit about your backstory uh, a bit. Uh, many people may, may or may not know that you played uh, your varsity squash, not in America, like, uh, like Ali or some of the other, uh, uh, Amanda Sobe and the like, uh, but you played uh, for Bristol University uh, and, and yeah. you studied there. So what was it like uh, taking your, your talents from, uh, from France to Bristol and developing uh, uh, your, your post-junior squash career uh, there? Uh, for, for me, it was it was amazing. Really, it's um, I still remember those years are probably four of the best years of my life so far. Um, it, it was it was it was an amazing experience. I really wanted to get out of, uh, of France uh, for my studies, and I, I was first aiming to go to to, to the US because uh, it was the obvious choice. Everybody was doing that, but uh, I talked. I got the chance to talk with uh, Mohammed El Shobagi actually at my mm-hmm. last British Junior Open. And uh, he was telling me that he was actually based in England and uh, he was trying to tell me, oh, you should just come to England. It's, it's actually great there. And you, you, there's good universities and you, we, we would be able to play with each other. And, that. and I thought, how, how could I say no to that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I got, I got in touch with uh, a few universities and uh, it's really um, Bristol that kept my attention. The city looked amazing. And uh, and uh, it's, after talking with uh, the coach over there, Hadrian Stiff, uh, I was just won over pretty easily. Um, yeah, like the, the the players over there obviously were, were, were great. I mean, counting on uh, Mohammed and uh, and I really liked the approach of Hadrian uh, mm. toward training. So so no, it, it was it was pretty amazing. It really those four years abroad, uh, I would say, really shaped me into into the player that I am today actually more more than the the junior years that I spent in France really yeah yeah I wanted to uh, to ask you about that because uh you know when people think about varsity squash automatically they probably think of all the the big name coaches from the great players of the past that are over there coaching and some of the players that they're producing but uh Several uh, like guys like Daryl Selby, uh, Jethro Bins, uh, obviously Mohammed and Marwan, and uh, many many others have gone through the British uh, system, which it seems to me is just uh, producing just as many talented squash players, if not more. So, what was it like uh, there playing uh, your varsity squash? And would you rec- uh, would you recommend it for anyone who's considering a, a doing their university and playing squash in, in the UK? Yeah, I, I, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel, I feel it, uh, it doesn't sound really objective coming from me, but <laughs> um, no, definitely recommend it because um, it's obviously it's a, it's a bit of a low profile compared to uh, those universities in the US. Um, the scale of the varsity uh, uh, tour is, is much smaller. Obviously, there's not as many teams, as many universities, as many players. But but the quality is there, obviously. And I mean, uh, English squash. I mean, doesn't have to prove anything anymore. Obviously, there's, there have been so many l- legends coming from over there. So so you know they are good players. Um, it's just that yeah, um, the the scale is a bit yeah. It's a bit it's a bit of a smaller scale. Um, but that that was what was nice actually. It gave me the opportunity to 
play the university matches, play everything I had to play over there, but also start slowly on the tour, you know, and start touring in Europe, start uh, some smaller PSA events. And uh, I, I feel that I would have missed on that if I went to the US. And uh, talking with Ali as well, Ali was telling me that he's, he's been able to, to play a few PSA when he was studying in Harvard, but it was nowhere near as much as I was able to play. Yeah, because his, uh, his game really took took off after he left Harvard, didn't it? Because, it, it, I mean, he, he obviously he was great when he was there, but he had, you know, he wasn't necessarily the top guy without no, question. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's for sure. Yeah, no, no, it's, um, I feel like, yeah, there was some, there's something that you, you get, um, that you're going to be able to implement in your game only when confronting yourself um to 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 the other players on tour you know during an event and uh, and nothing can really replace that no no matter how hard you train so, so so this this is really i felt was really important for me not to not to spend four years um just training with the same people all the same university uh, squash players and actually trying to get out there and play against much better much more experienced players and uh and try to try to actually myself gain as much experience as possible as quickly as possible because for I thought four years is a lot of time and uh, yeah it's something that you know you cannot really get back uh, you know when you when you like at the end of your career so and I guess uh, you know like you said you you had access to to a lot of uh, pro events uh, smaller pro events throughout Europe but you also uh, would you have uh, played a PSL or had the opportunity uh, to play in those uh, leagues as well? Yeah, loads, loads, loads of matches, obviously, in PSL, because uh, that was what was great as well in, uh, in Bristol. The, the PSL team was, was uh, made of all the players from the university. So, obviously, yeah. Mohamed, Mar, myself, uh, and many others. And uh, it just kept rotating. And, and it was just absolutely great matches for all of us, uh, almost every Tuesday night. So... No, this was, was what was the amazing. what's the atmosphere like at those matches? I mean, you hear, uh, I, I think maybe maybe it's comparable to the atmosphere of the uh, the U.S. varsity squash, which seems to be very highly energized. Uh, are the PSL yeah. matches more like more like that as opposed to the the varsity squash? Yeah, it's oh, it's uh, yeah, PSL is obviously much bigger than English varsity squash. I would say uh, the the people love it, coming to support their home club uh, team and it's uh, uh, the, the opportunity for them to see uh, you know w- world class players you know all those top 10 players uh, you know just it's just next door for them it's uh, it, it's fantastic and it, it's uh, it's pretty impressive the number of people actually come and uh, and support the team so uh, no the, the atmosphere is amazing really and uh, I was actually struggling at first in my first couple of matches I, I was a bit overwhelmed by all that, and uh, I was a bit too nervous and didn't manage to compete very well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, after after a few matches, I got into into the groove of it. But it's uh, yeah, it's, it was actually pretty impressive. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, uh, that's one thing uh, I've had um, a few guys. I've had Martin Heath on, uh, the president of Squash Canada, and some others from from America, and I've always sort of just asking the question, why can't they try to uh, to have a pro sort of type of league like that in uh, in North America, while the uh, the events are over there, they they could perhaps uh, put together uh, something similar to the PSL during the 
during the right time of the season when many tournaments are there. That'd yeah. be interesting, wouldn't it? That would be interesting. I guess I guess it's a bit harder in the US and Canada because of the, the, the I mean the size of your country really. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's huge, yeah. Logistically it's difficult, isn't it? Logistically would be hard. Uh, it's a bit easier in Europe that the, the country is so much smaller, it's a bit easier to just drive a couple of hours to uh, any city in the country and just play a match and go back. Yeah. Uh, I guess harder in Canada, yeah. That would uh, that would yeah, get some. Well, there's a little, there's a little bit more money flying around over there, though. So you, you know, if they could somehow, uh, you know, get the right people behind it, you never know. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, that would be fantastic. I, I think, I think it's a great, uh, it's a great format, really, to uh, to showcase a sport as well. Like people mm -hmm. love that, really. And then also just developing uh, the game over there as well. It would give the the Canadian and American players more opportunity to play uh, at high level. Mm -hmm. uh, High level matches. Yeah, being part of a team as well, it's uh, uh, it's really uh, motivating. I think, especially in um, in all sports where we feel like we're always alone doing our thing on our own, and you know, you're just trying to push yourself. And uh, like when you can play this kind of event when you're part of a team and everybody's pushing each other, that's that's kind of nice, actually. Yes, absolutely. Now. Uh, just a, a few minutes ago, you, you made reference to uh, uh, Hadrian Stiff, someone that's uh, been coaching you uh, or has coached you recently. And uh, that podcast uh, uh, that he was on recently here, it was one of my favorite conversations. Um, and you can just imagine why. Uh, but I uh, just wanted to ask you uh, what, what it's uh, like to work with a guy like Hadrian who, who has uh, sort of outside-the-box thoughts uh, towards the game and towards his approach to uh, to coaching. Yeah, well, for, for me, yeah. At first, it took it took a bit of getting used to because um, it was so different from the, the the system that I was used to in France, really, where everything was so uh, so square and kind of rigid, you know. And uh, we we knew the path we had to follow, really. And uh, yeah, going to Bristol, everything was just so different. And then you know, the way we trained and why. And, so there was a lot of thinking involved that I, uh, I wasn't used to do really back in France. You know, we were just training and that was it. So, um, was it uh, liberating in a way? Uh, it was. It was tough at first because I was new and uh, and it took. You know, it, it was a bit of an effort. You know, to well, it's, as always, you know, when you do something new, you know, you have to, you know, you have to get used to it. But yeah, no, it's in in the end. Uh, I, I felt like I, I found myself, I found uh, what kind of player I wanted to be, well, or I was supposed to be. And uh, it's something I had never thought about before uh, getting to Bristol. So, yeah. It, it, what was that? So, uh, what kind of, like, what, what sort of, uh, in gen maybe generally, what, what, what did you see that changed for you? It was, it was not about uh, idolizing uh the top players and try to do absolutely everything like them. It was about taking them as just any other player and just looking at what was good, what was bad, taking what was good and leaving out the rest and, and just shaping yourself into what, what you wanted to be. What did you like? Well, what do you like to do when you're on court? What is, what do you feel is working or not? And, uh, and uh, and not trying to just uh, go. Oh well, uh, obviously uh, Shabana was playing like this, so everybody has to play like Shabana. You just have to do like him. And uh, wouldn't I that be great before... if we could all play like him? Sorry. I said, wouldn't that be awesome if we could all play like him? 
be great, yeah, obviously. But that's the thing. <laughs> it, it, how hard would it be to try and play like him? You know, like it, that was him. So that was the point of Hadrian, really. It, it's it's impossible to just take everything. And anyways, when you idolize someone, you just end up taking the bad as well. So it's... Um, yeah, it was it was all about just center centering uh, on yourself, you know, and just uh, just just realize what did you like to do when you're on court, and uh, and try to develop that, try to develop your strengths, try to develop your game, you know, and uh, in order to make sure that when you're on there, you just enjoy it, because through enjoyment, uh, the results were going to come anyways, you know, and. Uh, it, it, yeah, there was, there was this kind of thinking at first, and uh, it, it really, uh, yeah, it really um, took some getting used to at first for me because I had no idea what I would like to do, what I wanted to do, or whatever. You know, I was just following what the coach was telling me normally. So, yeah, yeah I think was, it was, was um, uh, Joelle King who said uh, she first met uh, Hadrian and they had a, a meeting, and he said, "Okay, let's go to the, the squash court and see what we can uh, we can do on court." And then after that first uh, first session, she said she'd never experienced anything like that on a squash court in her life. I know. No, it's, it's, yeah, no, I remember some really uh, interesting sessions actually with Adrian, where we just uh, showed up at the club and we were supposed to uh, to have a hit, and uh, we just stepped on courts. And uh, after an hour and a half, we still hadn't hit one ball. Really, we just spent the whole time. <laughs> yeah. That was sometimes much more valuable than actually just hitting the ball, and uh, that, that's what that's what I really liked over there. It's um, it was more than just hitting the ball and running. There was so much more in squash, in life in general, that uh, you have to take care of actually. That you have to to figure out before you can actually just go on and train. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That that's the the gist of what I what I got from speaking with him, and I, I felt sort of motivated and uh, like you just said I mean not just trying to emulate uh, the best players you got to find who you are on the squash court and what what you're what what you're capable of and build it uh, I think build around that right yeah yeah definitely yeah now um, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, French squash I mean over the I guess the past 20 30 years uh, France has produced some really, uh, really great players. Uh, Julian Bonnetat, Thierry Linku, obviously Gregory Gaultier, Renan Lavigne, I think that's, uh, I think that's, Lavigne, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gregoire Marsh, uh, yourself, uh, and obviously, uh, your sister who I met, uh, uh, last summer in, uh, in Dubai yeah. at the, the Super Series. Um, now you, it just seems to me like, the, the group of you guys, Matt, Matthew Castanet, yourself, uh, Gregoire, uh, there are, you're right there. Seems like you're just uh, like sort of on the cusp of almost getting into that that top mm-hmm. part of the game. Is that how you guys feel as a group? And it's just sort of something you have to be patient with. Yeah, yeah. I feel I f- it's it's funny the three of us because we feel we had really at the different stages of uh, of a career really. Mm-hmm. Um, when Mathieu has obviously been at the top at the very top he's been five or six in the world he, he knows what it is like to beat those top players to, to be one of them um, and it's, it's really just uh, unfortunate that he just, he's, he's had a few injuries that, that, yeah. that took him away from this course court for a while but um, 
nice for him it's more about trying to get back he, he doesn't he doesn't feel like he has anything to prove anymore he's just trying to challenge himself to get back to the best level as possible but well, he had a good there. Uh, TOC he played well at the TOC didn't he yeah 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 but we'll, we'll see hopefully he's going to be able to to keep his form going because his problem was just that he hasn't been able to play a full season uh, uh lately mm-hmm. uh because of so, so for him, that's the challenge, really, to to figure out his body now and try to to compete pain free again. And um, Grégoire, Grégoire himself, he's, he's been on the tour a bit longer than me, and uh, he's, he's a pure talent, really. He won everything oh, yeah. in France when he was there. He's uh, he's he's um, he shot through the ranking very quickly, I think, when he turned uh, when he turned nineteen. Uh, but he reached certainly that top thirty, uh, top thirty-five uh, barrier, and uh, and he, yeah, he had been struggling with it for a while. I think he got up to twenty-six, twenty-seven. But there's something there. Yeah, he, he cannot figure it out. Um, he's to 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 actually do like Mathieu and 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 break through. You know, this top twenty. You know, finally. Yeah. And uh, and me, I've never been top thirty either. And I am. Yeah, I'm trying to get closer to Greg now. Trying, trying to 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 get to the stage where, like, like he just did, he just won a 50k in Pittsburgh. I'm trying to, yeah, be be competitive in those really bigger events. You know, try try to win those uh, those bigger events, uh, and not and not just try to compete in one or two round in the in the platinum series. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. We feel like we're we're there. We're on the edge of something, and uh, we're trying to push each other really to. To do our best, it's uh, it's interesting, really. It's a bit of a teamwork sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now and then, you have a guy like obviously uh, Gregory Galchier, who uh, just uh, you know such an amazing player. I had uh, Alex Goff on the podcast, and he's been through. Um, he's he played uh, against Jancher, Jonathan, yeah. Peter, uh, all, all of the greats, all the way up to uh, Mohamed El Sherbagi. I think as a seventeen-year-old, and he said that his most difficult opponent. The guy that he'd never beaten, he'd beaten all of those guys. Was uh, he could he'd never beaten Gregory, and he just said the guy was just unbelievable. So and such a talent, uh, such a presence on court. And uh, what's it like to have him as a sort of a? I'm assuming he's a guy that that uh, you guys all look up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, obviously we look, we look up to him uh, on, on many aspects. He's, uh, he's he's such a professional. Really, he doesn't leave anything to chance. Yeah, and uh, and he, he shows he shows us that like the fact that he got to where he is now is it was all his making, uh, and there was there was no chance involved really, and uh, that's inspiring really. He uh, he really uh, shaped his own uh, his own path, his own uh, destiny, if you, if you want. Yeah. And uh, yeah, is that that's that's great to have some, somebody like that who uh, who started from scratch, who uh, didn't have any um how do you say um no, nothing no no uh how do you say he wasn't born with a silver spoon or <laughs> yeah you, you know yeah. um nothing was was given to him he had to work for absolutely everything and uh so 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 to have him explain us uh how to get better how to train and everything it's just oh, it's just fantastic really yeah absolutely yeah he and he's such a uh such an entertainer on court as well. I mean, not, not only is he, you know, top in the world, top uh, talent in the world, but he's just such a, uh, a spectacle when he, whenever he's playing, it's, it's always going to be uh, uh, fun to watch. 
yeah no no he is yeah he's uh he's he's fun to 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 hang out with as well he's like he's yeah. like that of course so he's uh you know he knows when to be tough he knows when to be chill there's um he's he's a, he's a really uh yeah he's a down-to-earth guy really he's, he's pretty great and uh, I, th- I think people like that as well the fact that he's able to uh enjoy his victories on court and uh, share it with the audience uh oh yeah i think appreciate that it's amazing uh, he he had the whole he had all of uh uh dubai there at the super series even though he was injured you could tell he was injured he was he did his best to put on a great show uh yeah yeah no he's uh he's he's obviously a fighter he's never gonna he's never gonna step off court uh, unless he absolutely has to so uh, I, th- I think people also appreciate that the fact that uh yeah he wants to leave absolutely everything on there so that's, that's nice to see but for you, I mean, uh, I mean, you've had some really, I mean, promising uh, results over the last couple of years, especially recently. Uh, I mean, at TOC, you had a great win over over Declan, and uh, mm-hmm. in a close second round match, and then uh, Alguna, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, uh, you beat Kareem, who you're playing in the upcoming event at the Worlds. Uh, then you you followed that with a, an amazing win over Diego Elias, and then almost uh, took out uh, Kareem Abdul Gawad. Uh, only losing three to one to the former world number one. So with matches like this, I mean, it's obvious, it must be obvious to yourself as well that uh, you, 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 you deserve to be up there with those guys. Uh, it's just uh, a matter of time, isn't it? Well, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it was, uh, it was a, pro- it was a problem of self-belief as well, uh, as well as, Pure skills, I would say. I would say I just, I just couldn't match uh, uh, the skills of other players. But that's that's obviously something you work on in court. But um, there's also, yeah, all the mental aspect of it. And I felt like playing those kind of players, I would, I might not have deserved to be on on the same court as them. That they they were just so much better than me. And and actually beating some of those guys, uh, beating Marwan Shubagi or Diego Elias, you know, top ten players, it showed me well. This is uh, they might not have been at their best, but it's no, it's no chance or no coincidence that uh, that I beat them. As, well, that's just an excuse, isn't it? I mean, uh, I mean, you you go. Everyone goes on court with the uh, first exactly, intention yeah. to win the game, and uh, then uh, yeah. if you don't go your way. It, uh, the excuses come easy, don't they? Yeah, yeah, not true. So, uh, so those wins actually uh, made me realize that, uh, yeah, that I had the level, that I had the. Uh, the abilities to 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 beat uh, the top players. Um, then it's always a matter of doing it uh, on a consistent basis, you know, on every tournament, like you know, like the top ten guys can do. Um, but but yeah, yeah, th- those recent wins, yeah, definitely uh, made something click. Uh, and and hopefully now I can, yeah, I'm I'm going on court training with the objective of beating those guys, with the aim of beating them, and not just trying to not look stupid on court against them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, I mean, now that you've, I mean, you've tasted victory over several of these guys, uh, that kind of gives you what you need. You need that little bit. You need to have that within your system to know that you can beat them. Um, yeah. Yeah. But also, uh, I mean, what, how, uh, you've had some some matches where they the things didn't go your way. So how do you, how do you against the guys about your your ranking? So how do you uh, what what do you do? What do you say to yourself to sort of overcome uh, the disappointments? Yeah, well, I, I, I try not to overthink it. Yeah, <laughs> I try. 
I tried to tell myself that obviously the other players are training as hard as me, maybe harder. And uh, like you said, there are some days where we know 100% and uh, sometimes out of a control, you know, how the other player is going to play. And uh, some days it's just better than us. And um, yeah, it's just about looking at what we could have changed, what was within our control and so what we can improve next time. And, uh, and just focus on that, really. And, uh, and just try to improve improve yourself. Not, not, look, not compare yourself so much with the others. Just compare yourself with your yesterday self, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Then, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, uh, Lucas, you've been uh, great with your time. I just, uh, I, I don't want to uh, take you away from your preparations for, uh, for Valentine's Day uh, uh, tonight. So you better, you better get out there and uh, take care of business. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be risky for me otherwise. Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lucas, thank you, thank you so much for for uh, for a great chat on squash. I want to wish you uh, all the best this season. I really enjoy watching your your squash. You have a great game and uh, a great future, and uh, all the best at the World Championships to you, your wife, and uh, and your sister. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank, uh, thanks a lot to Lucas for, for a great chat. Uh, and again, uh, just want to wish him all the best in his semifinal match at the French Nationals, which should be later today. Uh, he'll be playing uh, Benjamin Aubert in the semi. Um, now, the only re- I, I should have asked him about that on the uh, podcast, but the, uh, the reason I didn't is because I didn't even realize the, uh, the French Nationals were ongoing. Uh, perhaps I should have given uh, that uh, several other countries uh, are doing theirs uh, as well. Uh, obviously, England, Egypt uh, having theirs going on at the same time. Germany just uh, completing theirs a few weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, strange, there's no real uh, easy-to-access coverage of the French nationals uh, anywhere that I can find. Anyways, nothing on... Um, squash site for some reason and nor is there anything on the other websites or anything popping up on facebook about it i did uh the reason i discovered uh that the french Na- about the about his match was uh uh the his tweet that he sent out earlier that he he was on into the semi so at any rate good luck uh, with that now just uh, in terms of uh front of national events i'm just uh wondering uh, i mean for the egyptian nationals i mean that's got to be probably the best preparation of, of all for any of the players if you if you're egyptian and qualified to play uh, in that event uh, i mean half the guys there are probably going to end up in the uh, quarterfinal stages of the world open anyway so um uh, but right now i think you've got uh, into the uh, quarterfinal stages Tarek Momin, Mohamed Al Abulgar, Kareem Abdul Gawad, Ali Farag um let's see who else let me just bring the uh, the website up here yeah so yeah Ali Farag uh, just beat Omar Mossad Kareem Abdul Gawad got a walk over over Omar Abdul Maguid Faris Doseki uh, took out uh, still recuperating I think uh, still trying to find his form Marwan El Sherbagi and Tarek Momin uh, took out the uh, the very talented uh, with the racket Mazen Hisham um, and on the women's side there Renim Noran Gohar Sinian Mikawi and Norel Tayeb all through. So uh, a list of uh, who's who in both men's and women's uh, professional game right there. So uh, good luck to all of them uh, going forward in that event. Uh, one noticeable absence, obviously, uh, from those names is Mohamed El-Sherbagi, and I'm not sure why he's not playing. Maybe he's 
uh, nursing a bit of an injury or just sort of resting or doing his own preparation for the uh, for the worlds which are coming up. And uh, also on the English, uh, on the British uh, national side of things, it was a noticeable absence uh, there of um, a couple of English players, uh, Declan James being one, uh, George Parker being another. I'm not sure uh, why they are not playing in the event, but uh, maybe someone who's listening might might know, maybe update us on that. But uh, we're on into the semifinals there, and uh, it's James Wilstrip uh, going up against Greg Lobin uh, and Adrian Waller, uh, who took out Tom Richards in a closely fought uh, four-game match. Uh, he'll be playing against Daryl Selby. I watched uh, his match against Chris Simpson last night, and what a, that was just tremendous squash. Daryl was uh, in great form. He uh, sort of had a bit of banter going on with the referee throughout the match. I think that was um, more self-imposed than anything else. I think a lot of the calls that he was uh, arguing were, yeah, uh, I mean, Chris was getting to all those balls that uh, that uh, that he was debating the ref, the officials with. But I think it was more or less just to keep his, uh, you know, his, his t- uh, keep himself in the game, keep him focused on the game. And uh, he played, and so did Chris. They both played some tremendous squash. And in the end, uh, the old man uh, seemed to have a little bit more gas in the tank and a bit more physicality because that, that seems uh, to be what turned it in the end. He just upped the pace a bit, uh, started playing some brilliant, uh, his width, as the uh, commentators were saying, uh, came around a bit. It seemed to, uh, he wasn't hitting his cross courts as well. Uh, uh, in the middle stages of the match when he was behind. But uh, he really, uh, and then he he was just uh, moving uh, Chris all, all around the court, and he just uh, Chris just couldn't uh, keep the pace uh, going. So it should be a, a good match between Adrian and Daryl. Adrian's um, as fit as they get, big physical guy. Uh, he may not have the, uh, the finesse game that Daryl has, so... Uh, it should be an interesting battle there. And then Greg Lobin will have his back against the wall against James, who seems to be uh, James Wilstrup, who seems to be playing some really good squash. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, again, my question is, uh, uh, what, why didn't uh, Declan James or uh, George Parker uh, participate in the event? Maybe there's something there that we're, we're not sure about, or maybe they're just preparing on their own for uh, the upcoming uh, Worlds in Chicago, uh, the big money $1 million event. So it's probably uh, something that uh, they're looking forward to there as well. But the British Nationals, uh, that's a big event for those guys. So it uh, begs the question. At any rate, everyone, uh, really thank you uh, a lot for uh, for listening to the podcast. Again, uh, we've got some some good ones coming up, so stay tuned for those. Enjoy your squash. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Goodbye now.